Welcome to Afterthoughts, everybody. I'm John, your host. Uh, joining me on this very special episode, if we time it right, this comes out on my birthday, and I'm really excited for it. Oh, that. shit. So it's about a movie that's very important to me. But uh, anyways, um, joining me is uh, Ryan King. Hey, I'm pretty excited here. You know, we're, this is a podcast that gives you the sidereal podcasting, not the tropical podcasting. Yeah. All that stuff is wrong and old. You know, if you're 2,000 years old, that's okay, but... No, we yeah. give the right shit. If you accepted the world was flat, you could accept those other yeah, podcasts. Yeah, then you, you can listen to other podcasts. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, and also joining us is Michael Dixon. Ryan, I have no idea what you just said, just like I have no idea what the fuck happened in this movie <laughs> at all. So um, I'm going to need you guys to carry me on this episode. <laughs> we will carry you. You just carry the booze, my friend. We will get you where you need to go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and we are talking about the 1976 fever dream that is known as the astrologer. <laughs> My name is Craig Marcus Alexander, and I was born to lie, cheat, and steal. Your dreams are much too large. Well, Alexander is in financial problems. You are well experienced in dealing with your kind here, Mr. Alexander. Mr. Alexander is Mr. Alexander. Mr. Alexander. If Craig Alexander gets out of the country, I will personally see to it that you are sent to the hottest hellhole that I can find. Anybody who's ever gone into our country has never returned. Mister, you're in trouble. How did you find me? Well, you can be sure that after chasing you around half the globe, it wasn't easy, Mr. Alexander. Falling apart. You do as you're goddamn told. You're not losing your money. Oh, you're losing the whole goddamn thing. Now I had the power to be what I've always wanted to be. The world's greatest mystic. The astrologer. Do you really know your true sun sign? The dates used by today's tropical astrologers are incorrect. Um, directed by Craig Denny. Uh, Craig Denny is, I don't even know how to describe this auteur. Um, but that's, I, a, that's I, a bold word. Yeah, yeah, it is a bold word, but there is a, a bit of an authorship he, to what he does, I guess. He has an uh, eye for something. He has an intent. <laughs> some, um, much like uh, this movie and its soundtrack, I lifted a, a synopsis from another movie that's significantly more famous, and I just replaced several pieces of the synopsis with uh, this movie's actual storyline. So let me see. Um, Dixon, you might know what this is from, so let me just read it out for you. Let's oh, play a little game okay. show here. Sex, money, power, astrology. Brace yourself for an unintentionally true story from the late obscure filmmaker Craig Denny that critics are calling a balls-to-the-wall distillation of everything Denny is and wishes to be. Denny delivers the only performance of his career as a young astrologer hungry for fame and glory in Long Beach, California, where corruption is king and more is never enough. His name is Craig Marcus Alexander, but soon the world will know him by a different name, the astrologer. Together, Denny and his film crew deliver a story of American excess that takes you across the globe and back with an entirely unoriginal score and soundtrack. Montages aplenty and chock full of dry technical jargon from a pseudoscience that's long since been debunked. The Astrologer is without a doubt an absolute film from start to finish. Uh, can you by chance name that synopsis? I kind of muddled it. Uh, is it from ChatGPT? It is not from ChatGPT. Uh, I just took the back of the box from Wolf of Wall Street and I subbed in a bunch of the astrologer into it. Um, I it's it's not obviously they're not the same movie by any stretch, um, but the story is of a rise and fall of a character uh, who who is a liar is it, pretty though? much all the time. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I don't even know that that's what the story is, but. Uh, yeah, not even the IMDb synopsis, the true synopsis on IMDb knows what the story is. Um, 
the astrologer, just a bit of background from why I'm bringing this to this podcast. Uh, I have been threatening to bring Schlock here for a really long time. I don't qualify. Yeah, this we were as, doing summer blockbusters and John yeah, was like, the astrologer. That's right. It was going to so be seven the, people have seen it. We're going to do it. It's going to be the biggest <laughs> blockbuster ever until it wasn't. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I wanted to bring this because with us talking about blockbusters and also with my birthday around the corner, uh, a lot of people continue to ask me what my sign is as I tell them my birthday. Oh, and I'm so sorry. That just makes me remember that the astrologer's out there. And I'm like, all right, I got to watch this again. Uh, this movie, I saw it, um, and I believe in 2016 when I was invited to a weird Wednesday show, the Alamo draft house in San Francisco. And it was by fate, uh, the stars aligned just the right way that the actual weird Wednesday movie that was supposed to be brought, um, the man who was supposed to bring it, his wife went into labor and he could not bring that movie. So the astrologer was the movie they had on hand. And that was the movie that I got to watch. Um, and I sat in the dark alone watching it very confused and probably much like what Dixon felt like, mm -hmm. um, just not knowing what the hell this was, but knowing that Craig Denny has a smug fucking face. Yes, he does. <laughs> yes, he does. Can't confirm. <laughs> Um, that's the one thing from this movie that I will never forget is his smug <laughs> fucking smug. face uh, and I was just for some reason enamored with it there's something weird about it that stuck in my brain after I saw it and I just had to see it again and I watched it with a few friends and then I watched it again and like again and again and it's become in my adult life like what my punisher was to my teen self this John is how many like, times have you watched this movie uh, it's gotta be over 30 now I don't oh remember my God. Like, oh, wow. how many yeah, but it's like at this point, it's just like a fun ride for me in the <laughs> weirdest way possible. Um, like I kind of mentioned in the synopsis, the score is completely unoriginal, the soundtrack as well. I love both of those things. Not that they're unoriginal, but the actual like soundtrack is great. The Moody Blues are great. The songs that Craig picked, pretty great pop songs that uh, were, were they like, just hitting the top of the charts. Come out of nowhere and generally are inappropriate yes, for what's they, going they on. Absolutely but are, yes, but I'll take it over, you know, introducing some weird, hey, this is my nephew's band and we put him in the movie and now they're going to just sing this song that you don't know what the fuck it's about. I'm like, yeah, I'll take the Moody Blues over that. That sounds nice. Uh, or Gustav Holtz uh, doing the planets, mostly Mars. Um, just it, it's weird how... Uh, this is a movie that seems like it cut a lot of corners in its budget. It also got tied up in legal matters because the music that was used is not properly licensed. Um, and yet it still cost $10 million, uh, when it came out and started with like a budget of 1.5 million. I have no idea where the other 8.5 came from. Um, it was made over several years and it tells the story. It tries to tell the story of Craig Denny's character, Craig Marcus Alexander. Uh, it's a very authentic for him to put himself into the movie under that name. Um, he tries to kind of go and uh, uh, make him make something of himself. And then he doesn't. It just kind of collapses both in the movie and in real life. Um, and so I think that compared to the other bad movies I've watched, like The Room or, you know, a Neil Breen film, any of those. This has a different charm to it that I want to talk about a little bit more, but I've already talked enough. I love this movie. Um, as bad as it is, I find something about it alluring constantly, and I don't know why. Um, is that charm in Craig Denny's beer belly? It could very well be the <laughs> beer belly that he rubs occasionally very attractively mm -hmm. yep. <laughs> in any of the scenes. Um, yeah, it, it just so much about it. I'm very interested to hear what y'all think or what Dixon remembers from it. I think Dixon, it'll be like <laughs> you talking from a fever dream and that'll make it. Yeah, all yeah. probably. 
Uh, but I'll, I'll kick things over to the man who has seen it uh, the second most times, uh, Ryan. Yeah. That's the I second most times of anyone on Earth. Yeah, John probably, has seen probably. it the most times of anyone on Earth at 30. <laughs> yeah, it's a good question of how many people have seen this more than once. Like yeah. even, you know, I'm sure it's a really small subset have seen it once, mm. but people who've seen it two or more times is, is probably a very, very small subset. We're talking the this, very tail end of the distribution curve here. It's getting real small, yeah. They yeah. thought the film was lost for 40 years, so there's quite a stretch where nobody could see this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Apparently, it did release into some L.A. theaters, but it made like 90 grand, maybe, if. That and seems then was high. gone. Got pulled after yeah, the first week. immediately. Yeah. Yeah. This would be the fourth time I've seen it. Uh, the first time... John showed this to me. I think I can probably go back now and as we go through whatever we go through the point in the movie, there's like two points in the movie where my mind like leapt to a different level of understanding of like what was fucking possibly going on. <laughs> yeah. Um, because it, it just, it takes some turns. I think when you first watch it, that you just are like, what is this? What is it trying to be? Mm-hmm. And that it just kind of swerves a couple times. And, it, and since I've learned that they, I guess we're just making it up as they went, I think is really were, what was going they, on here. Uh, I believe they were consulting astrology charts on the day of yeah. shooting for what they should no do No scripts, next. and they just kind of like, yeah, made it up as they went based on what the supposedly chart said. Then the editing is amazing that they made it into something. And I, I can test. <laughs> the editing is it, wild. Yeah. <laughs> it's wild. But the fact that it comes out with something. So I know that we're going to have to just talk about bad movies and compare this to bad movies because I oh, think yeah. that's going to be a lot of the conversation here. I enjoy watching The Room, and I know that one is, you know, that it is really funny. A lot of people know that and have has since been exposed to it. But it's a play. Like, it's a decent mm-hmm. school play, right, that is being filmed. It's not really, in my mind, That a is movie. a huge slight against plays, Ryan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, you know, they're, they're probably a thousand, <laughs> just this year, plays that some kid wrote in college. Mm. Or graduate school that was you know about him and tear jerking in the world or whatever like I, I can see exactly what that you know what that package is i'm not sure what the astrologer is like i can't pin something else that's comparable to what it's supposed to be it's yeah. unclear what the point of it even is uh, but it is a movie like that's the thing is it does follow characters it does have a plot it uses things that you can kind of only do in a movie. It has like locations, sets, question mark. You know, there's shots, there's there's wipes for whatever fucking reason. Some of that yes. work. Like it has all of the things. It's like, that's what a play can't have. You can't have those in a play. And I'm like, so this functionally is a movie. And this is the worst thing that's functionally a movie. Now there is a there is then a rung underneath this, and if we get to that level, John, like that's when we've really just exhausted everything. When we start getting into the territory of those things we've watched, it's like it's not a movie. It functionally doesn't make sense. I don't even know who the characters are. Like there's no direction to it. That, that like that is the step below below this. This is right at that level where it's just barely hanging on to characters and plot. <laughs> And, the, and that's it. What's that thing in a black hole called? The accretion disk or whatever? It's like on the outbound. Yeah, right where it's when still kind of together. Into, where nothing has structure on the inside. Yeah, yeah, we're there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's where this is. Right before we reach the bookcase. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Before I scream at Dixon that the, the answers are in his watch. <laughs> so, yeah, no, it does. It has a place in my mind. I've shared this 
uh, the, I think the last time before this viewing I watched it was with our, our previous guest, Warner, uh, winner of the cross-country trip uh, in an RV with me, <laughs> and that was what I exposed him to this in Forbidden Planet. What a lucky uh, boy. Were you driving while watching this? No, that was like, it was, we actually watched those back to back on one night, which is probably the fever dream of I had already driven one way across the country and was coming back a couple more yeah. nights across the country. It's like five nights into RV driving for days. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> uh, well, Dixon? Yeah. So the first time I watched this movie, I have now seen it twice, allegedly. Uh, the first time I watched this movie, John was organizing a screening of people to go see it at a local theater here. John was very excited about it. I was planning to go, got COVID, and was stuck at home. And I was in a state of COVID delirium, and I watched it, and I was like, John, what the fuck was that? This didn't make any sense. Uh, to the point that I had forgotten that I had actually watched it. And then when John <laughs> invited me to come over and watch it again, I was like, I don't remember if I've seen this or if like I just remember John talking about it a lot and maybe I've seen some clips of it. And then you reminded me like, no, you've seen it because you had COVID and you told me you hated it. And then uh, I watched it again uh, on uh, some substances and uh, still did not enjoy it. Um, but both times I've been in some sort of state of delirium that I have seen the film. It, this thing is really, really bad. Um really 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 bad it it feels like the first two acts of a crime film like yes. a scarface or something and then it just ends at the end of <laughs> act two yep and it's like the scene where he's alienated all his friends and his like <laughs> seventh grade financial advisor comes or not seventh but a seventh financial advisor that has not passed the seventh grade has come and you know told him that he's you know being an asshole and he's losing all his money because he's making bad decisions and blah 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 and he had, throws a fit and quits and leaves and then the movie just ends and credits roll like, wait a minute out, yeah this is like the scene where he's supposed to like double down and go big and then like end up in poverty or arrested or something at the end of the movie. And that scene never comes. I was like, what the, f did they just run out of budget at yes. this point? <laughs> it's just over now. I, I, you know, it sounds like they had no script for this thing and, you know, maybe they just filmed all they could and then just decided the movie was over. Um, one of the worst acted films that I've ever seen. Um, very bad, um, like old people makeup being used on the <laughs> financial advisor. In the hair. Yeah, like very way too silver hair. It's too shiny. Uh, it doesn't work. Um, Craig Denny is just a terrible actor. The, the movie makes no sense whatsoever. It keeps jumping around to all these things. Every plot description that I have found online of the movie says that he's like a, a con man doing astrology who then realizes he can actually do astrology and then is like, you know, making, you know, doing whatever with that. I'm like, I don't think the movie ever tries to even say that he's not just full of shit the whole time. Yeah. Um, which seems weird if he's actually doing astrology on the day of shooting to determine what they should do. Like, because his character doesn't seem like the movie is not trying to sell this character as a legit real astrologer that's yeah. actually helping anyone toward the end of the movie it gets super meta and he starts making a movie called the astrologer <laughs> about himself yes um that's all just absurd um the editing was the wildest thing to me about this movie i remember one that sticks out really clearly where there's like they do like a multi-cut zoom into this dead body in a <laughs> casket and it's like just jump from you know 20 feet away to 15 feet away to 10 feet away to five feet away to one foot away and it's just like 
it's it's not a smooth zoom in. It's just so jarring and, and it's weird. In rhythm with what he says too. He's like, "As a son of a bitch try to break up my marriage." And each beat of that <laughs> yeah, zooms in yeah. closer to the casket. Uh, and there are all kinds of editing choices throughout the movie that make no sense, that are so jarring to the viewer, that don't help the story at all. Um, yeah, I, I was kind of in awe at how terrible this thing is. They, You can see where the budget went because they did on-location shooting all over the world for this yeah. movie. Like, that was that was the budget, just traveling. Underwater camera scenes, too. Yeah, like underwater really shots. Really long underwater shots. Um, don't know what the point of any of that was, frankly. Uh, John, the pre-roll, pre-roll that you put together before the movie was far superior Thank to you. the movie itself. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so this movie really sucks ass uh, real hard. Um, so, John, what is your fascination with this? I, I'm kind of like, I understand like movies like The Room. I really like watching The Room. It's terrible, but I, I, I enjoy the stupidity of it. And there are bad movies that I can really get into and, and enjoy making fun of, you know, love me a good Jean-Claude Van Damme movie oh, yeah. to, to laugh Cotto, at. And make fun which I still of. Haven't seen. Yeah. Somehow John still has not seen Jim Cotta. Someday. Um, but yeah, that kind of stuff. Like I, I, I love those kind of bad movies, but with this one, I'm just like, dude, this is, this is, this is rough. <laughs> I think on the way out, on your way leaving uh, my my party, I said to you, not a corporate decision in this movie. All personal. Oh, yeah. Which is part of my fascination with it. Like, the room has that Wizzo brought in a bunch of experts to do his shooting and just tell the story he wrote. And this one, it's even more like freehand. Um, I think I'm also just fascinated. I was talking with a friend of mine about it. Um, and my friend was like, I'm really fascinated with the fact that there is an artistic voice somewhere in this movie and it's just doing stuff. Like there's cool sequences. There's interesting experiments. It feels like the first film made by like an independent filmmaker when they're still trying to figure out how to use a camera, mm-hmm. but it's injected with this self-importance of Craig's like fascination with astrology and sidereal astrology, whatever the fuck that is. Uh, I looked it up on Wikipedia and I still don't understand. Yeah, is it my type of astrology is right and all the other ones are wrong and you need yeah. to listen to me. Yeah, I think the all idea... the other signs are off by like a month or something because of the yeah. tilt of the earth. Yeah. Yeah, I think the idea is that over time, the constellations have actually moved from wherever they originally were. And so whatever constellation you were born under isn't actually what they tell you. By the way, you're a sidereal Virgo. You're not really a Libra. Because you see, if you were born 2,000 years ago in this lifetime, or that you believe that the world is flat, then you could accept the fact that you're a Libra. But you're not. You're a Virgo. You've yeah. been born under something new because of the, the shifting of time. But he never says that, and he says a bunch of other shit that has nothing to do with just uh, yeah. like what constellation is there. I don't even know what the other crap is. The, the other thing is... With other movies, not just like Wizzo's, you know, The Room has these moments of, it is to to Ryan's point, like there's a stage play aspect to it where you're supposed to give the big, meaty, dramatic lines. Mm-hmm. Like Wizzo tries to act the shit out of that role. Um, I think of somebody like, uh, like a Neil Breen or any of the other like ego exploitation directors who in their movies, they crusade against things. Whatever they hate in their politics comes out in that art where they're just like, I'm going to do a monologue about how the government is bad and we shouldn't trust them. I releasing these files today will not endanger any innocent persons, but they will identify governments and corporations that have committed fraudulent and criminal activities against mankind. And all of that kind of comes really ham-fisted. I'm not saying this movie isn't, but 
those characters are put on a pedestal where they are the heroes of their story. Uh, Johnny is a tragic figure in the room who's supposed to be sympathized with. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't out work against at all. him. Yeah. yeah, everybody's against him. But this is a crime drama that it seems Craig cast himself as the villain of. And yeah. that was kind of one of the things I wanted to, to broach. Is Craig uh, a true villain or is he an antihero in a way? Because if he's trying to prop astrology up as being legitimate, He'd have to be an antihero, I would guess, to even legitimize it. But if he's trying to destroy astrology, he'd be a villain. Like, he would use it to his own ends. And I am of the opinion that he's a villain. And that's part of where the fascination is, is Craig Denny died when he was 35. He shot Allegedly. this movie. Yeah, we don't know if he's uh, still yeah. out there. I read that uh, there are rumors that he faked his death. Oh, yeah, maybe that's true. But, <laughs> but I saw a death certificate uh, in some of my research, and it, it oh. seemed pretty legit. Um, Did you see the body, John? I didn't see the body, so I don't know mm. for sure. He could have gone back to his planet like Elvis. Uh, have you made a pilgrimage to his grave? <laughs> no, somebody else did, though. They took a picture with him. <laughs> oh, where is it? Um, I got to somewhere near you. Yeah, it's somewhere near you, Ryan. Uh, yeah, right next to James Dean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but like he he died before he could actually talk a little bit more about this another thing is this movie didn't used to be targeted as being a movie it was supposed to be (laughs) an eight hour tv series like it was supposed to be 30 minute chunks where they could funnel in ads in between and they ran out of budget obviously we all can tell Mm -hmm. (laughs) and they were just like fuck it just make a movie and let's release it and so at the beginning of the movie it says craig denny's theatrical version because it's a cut Mm -hmm. of what was going to be his tv show about an astrologer that adventures which they mentioned during the movie in the movie we use first names and everything of all my friends we'll get them in the show and uh, it'll be about the adventures of an astrologer around the world we'll call it the astrologer all of the assets too that they show in that like him holding up a variety magazine um that's actually what was published in the variety the local like a uh, copy was about how there was a horoscope company bankrolling the film yeah. and there was like a whole astrology industry behind it and uh so like those elements the more you peel back like what the fuck is this movie the more you find like these little nuggets here and there of the history behind it and i think that I'm fascinated with that. And I'm fascinated with an artist's choice like Craig. Like I'm not used to somebody who is so full of ego making a movie where they cast themselves as the most unlikable villain knowably in the film. Like Craig does so much sociopathic shit throughout this film. He, he trades a woman for a boat. He hires his friend who (laughs) has never gotten past the seventh grade to do his finances just so he can solidify his loyalty within the fucking mafia he's running. There's such a long scene where they have that conversation too. He's like, I want you to be my financial advisor. The guy's like, hell, I don't know anything about financial administration. Christ, what what do I know? I've never been into the big business before. I've never even gone past the seventh grade. I don't care. We have a long history together. I know you're going to be good at it. I I trust you. What? Yeah. I'll pay you a hundred grand a year an awful lot of bread hell yeah he talks about like um he goes to save his wife from prostitution his ex-wife from prostitution only to trap her in his home as his trophy basically Mm -hmm. um like all of these things these are not the things that a hero would do at no point in this movie does craig do a single goddamn good thing and i'm just fascinated with what their plan was what they were trying to do and at the same time it gives such a stage to different kinds of charade in terms of uh, they do like tarot reading. They do an astrology reading. They do a palm reading. They have like whole sets that are dedicated to that. And it fun- functions into the story in some dumb way. 
And then one of my friends had this whole theory. They steal gems at one point from like a Kenyan tribe. And that was a whole scene that I'm sure you remember. That was where they sat down and talked to that guy. Pombe, the American is Scotch. Here, America? Yeah. Natoka, America? Yeah. I'm there, Sana, to talk on your visa, Sana. Asante, Sana. Ask the chief what time it was born, the month, and the year. Mm. For like ever and give him scotch. <laughs> it's like, what the fuck's going on? But they steal those gems and then that becomes like this underlying thing of the, they have bad juju. The entire movie, the rest of the movie, you never think about it again. What was even the point of that scene? It, and that like, was Is the, that how he finances his empire? That's how Dude, he what, was... What is the point of any given... Like yes, You can take any given scene yeah. out of this and be like, what exactly was the point? Like they fit together kind of. Yeah. But each thing you're like, why? But like at least some, some of them you're like, okay, if that's furthering the plot of him like going to success and becoming an asshole and leading to like his failure that we never see. But uh, like going to Kenya randomly and like standing next to a bunch of shirtless jack dudes and finding some <laughs> gems and stealing them. Like, I don't know what we're doing here. Like, Well, he does. Yeah, I guess he gets like two million dollars out of selling those jewels. Yeah. But then almost immediately the movie, within seconds, <laughs> he has a TV show, yes. right? And he's already figured out all these other things and has all these other great successes within like seconds just off of being able to predict shit. So it's like, did he ever need the gyms in the first place? Yeah. I don't know. There's a piece of it to me. See, that's where like we can talk about what the fuck this movie is. And that's where I think it's kind of nice that... He's not, Craig's not, look, I'm not saying I'm glad the dude's dead, but I'm sure everybody here is not. I'm saying you know, that. <laughs> I'm glad he's dead. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I could talk to him, honest. Yeah. Like, I the, wish I could talk to him and be I, like. I just think that it would, and that's kind of, it leads into another topic I want to talk about is like the mystique behind movies like this, where it's so baffling. Like, imagine if Wizzo died before The Room really took surface and had traction. Mm -hmm. There's like this element where artists are so eager to talk about their work and especially people who are ego exploitative they are like i'm gonna make my my truth my swan song whatever and i'm gonna tell you immediately what it's all about and it completely demystifies everything with the movie and so i don't want to know what this is really trying to do i'm happy that it's ambiguous because it keeps it interesting for me and i can change perspective when i watch it and it feels like what David Lynch does too, where he just doesn't tell you what his film is about. And uh, yeah. it's just that you don't get that opportunity with movies like this that blow that could blow up. The Astrologer is not. It continues to not have blown up. It's been uploaded to archive.org, and I highly doubt it gets any traffic there. Yeah, I agree. Like my fascination is trying to understand the aspects of how this got made, the decisions in making it. Like, all of that is very fascinating to me. And the more I dig into it, the more I'm like, Craig Denny wasn't anything or anyone. It's a bit like with Tommy Wiseau. You dig back and you're like, how, where did he get the money from? Yeah. Like, to begin with. How did, where did he come from? Mm -hmm. And now it's like, okay, we have some decent theories. But I'm like, you kind of have some with Craig Denny, but it's still, like, entirely unclear. Like, his age isn't entirely clear. Where he's from isn't entirely clear. It, his, un he his uncle was he a had famous a bunch actor. Of money his Do uncle what? was? His uncle was a famous actor. What? Yeah. He, yeah, he claims to have a bunch of money and had a family that appears to have money, but then, like, was any of that... Like, I think he just talked his way into a movie. He actually produced another few movies. I found that out recently. I was kind of fascinated by that. Um, <laughs> movies yeah. that are still around and still watchable, but don't have any reference to him anymore. Like, they've erased his name. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, and I think it's like I think he made everything up as he went, and I'm not sure. I, I think he is the Craig from this movie. I think he bullshitted yeah. his way through mm-hmm. everything and mentioned astrology stuff, but he really didn't give a shit about it either. Like it's impossible yeah. to yeah. tell. And and that's where like it's fascinating. The movie starts off with him saying, "My name is Craig Marcus Alexander, and I was born to lie, cheat, and steal." And it's the most jarring way to start a movie when you're trying to endear your character, like. Jordan Belfort doesn't start that shit in Wolf of Wall Street. He starts out, you know, bright eyed and he kind of talks about you see him. Well, you see him doing drugs and landing a helicopter first. That hooks you. But then you start back off at the bottom and you see him kind of growing innocently. Okay, so on Wikipedia, it says that Craig Denny's mom wrote the movie Dorothy June Pigeon, and she is a relative of Walter Pigeon, who is a two time Academy Award nominee for best actor in like the 40s. Um, yeah. so I was thinking it was her, she, he was her brother, but that may not be the case. She's has the same last name and is related to Walter Pigeon somehow. So and I don't it, know if there's some family like money there. It seems like actually write it. They stuck her name on it somehow in exchange for some money. It seems Craig, like, Craig's so yeah, father, there's some funding from that. Yeah. We could debate this all day, but Craig's father supposedly owned a TV station. Craig started in radio. He worked his way into a TV production uh, position. That guy has the most boring voice I've ever heard. He was in radio. Yeah, he was. That's why yeah, I, I don't exactly he was know. Fired from forty different stations, which is unsurprising. <laughs> That's impressive. Yeah, forty different stations. Dude, wow. Craig's yeah. going for the record, uh, or he, he was. He doesn't. Uh, he has neither the face nor voice for radio. <laughs> why was he just like applying under pseudonyms to these stations? <laughs> yeah, just like, kept going. Craig A. Denny. Craig B. Denny. <laughs> Craig C. Oh, that's my brother. No, different guy. Yeah, yeah it's it's totally different. Um, but I I want to know because we're talking about we're kind of talking about why I'm fascinated with the movie. What not just about this movie, but like what do y'all find as interesting? What's the mystique you would find behind a movie? What really hooks you? And we're not talking like a good movie, but like just a good, I want to know the production behind this, or like what are the things that you look for in a movie where you're like, I that sticks in my brain, even if I didn't like it. Um like a movie that I, I just like am drawn to inexplicably and I have trouble yeah, yeah. figuring it out. Um I don't know. I guess uh probably the you know the time that sticks out to me most is uh watching Robert Brisson for the first time. And it was like, I don't know that I like that, but I kept wanting to come back to it and watch his movies again and watch more of his movies. And now I've gained an appreciation for what he's trying to do and like I, you know, really like his films, but I didn't at first. Um but yeah, but he just makes movies in such a jarring fashion that's very different than everyone else. And so it was like, because they're so violently different than any other movie, I was just like, holy shit, this is really interesting. I need to like, and I couldn't get it out of my head. I think there's that like, so just to pull from that Brissanian, you know, interpretation, like there's, mm-hmm. there's this kind of, um, there's an intention behind what Brisson does. There's a method to his madness in how he right. pulls a film together. And I think that that's why I'm fascinated here because we have like an independent filmmaker who got all of the money to make an opus film or TV series he was going to try to do and watching like him fail in these different ways. It creates more mysteries in the movie making itself that I think is fascinating where you're like, what exactly is he trying to express and how could it have better been expressed? Like we've talked about other movies where I can easily whip up a treatment like, Oh, here's mm. how this movie probably should have gone if they wanted to do this. I have no idea how to do that with the astrologer. I don't know. Yeah. And it's, it's like a tough nut to crack. And that's, I think where I'm kind of fascinated, but um, yeah, Brian. Yeah. I, I look at art. Like in my, I take the simple definition of art of like evoking emotion. Like if something evokes emotion, then it's art. And I also follow the like, once it's out out of the hands of the creator, it can become 
something else, even if mm-hmm. that's not what the intention was, which is a good example with the room. I actually think that was fully earnest. Tommy was so oh, trying yeah. his best, and he now retroactively is like, nah, I was trying to... I he calls it a dark comedy now. Yeah. yeah. Right, yeah. and I'm like, it, it wasn't. It was fully earnest, but it is, in, an, in a way, the art of it isn't his intent. <laughs> the yeah. art of it is its complete, like, crappy nature that that just pulls out this like fascination and comedy you know that he necessarily intended to have but it does have and so i think the movies that then i can just lose myself and the room is a good example because i saw that one on cartoon network and i had no fucking clue what was going on yeah um that if i can lose myself in it because yeah we all have heard my opinions on all kinds of random shit where i cannot lose (laughs) myself because i'm locked up on such things and there are so many like mistake type situations in this movie but I'm so distracted by the emotions of confusion and everything else that's going on that I overlook that. Yeah. Um, I would say like recent, and then it, it almost becomes like an obsession, like those movies that become an obsession because I want to know like, well, what, why, and who are these people? And like, what were these choices? And I would say like on the good side, well, the, the most recent, like after it, I had an immediate obsession um, is kind of Arya Aster stuff mm-hmm. where like the first I saw of, of his stuff, uh, I was like, what, what? Like, oh my God, there's so much around it and there's so many like tight decisions and all these little things in it. And I want to know kind of what, what was going on, what was really going on, like, the, you know, my own theories of it kind of becoming obsessed afterwards. And that's like a good side of it, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Or something, you know, even where it's like this, you know, Spider-Man, Spider-Verse movies where it's like all the little details I want to go back and like look at and see all these things in the background. But on the far side, there are these terrible things that we watch, and it is the fascination of like, how could this be that terrible? Like, how could a human create something and fundamentally not understand? Like, <laughs> you know, it almost is that like, did an alien come down and attempt to make something? Yeah, <laughs> and this is like their attempt. You know, I would feel like we're going to see more shit that's like AI, like that's that where it's the uncanny valley of a movie. <laughs> yeah. You you get there are supposed to be beats there and you know it, but you can't tell what the fuck the beats were intended to be at all. Mm-hmm. A, a good actually what you're saying there, I was gonna say a good good kind of call to that. The the studio Ghibli music, the I'm forgetting his name at, at the moment, but the composer, he purposely is combining uh classical like Japanese, like pre-Western Japanese music and Western music, and it ends up where he has uh like the beats that you would expect of a, a normal like western rhythm aren't there and so it kind of creates this feeling of like the song kind of just keeps going and feels a little unnatural because those beats are so used to us and that's why that music has become so recognizable and memorable for him is that he has this kind of like he's doing it wrong yeah <laughs> in a way but he's he's good at doing it like he knew all the rules then he did it wrong and it's good where it's like Denny I didn't know any of the rules. He watched a movie one time and like yeah. half-assed something together. <laughs> I had no idea. It, it's if they're filming spontaneously, it's amazing how much they put into filming certain things spontaneously, like destroying a whole car, um, or right? like getting was fl- that one day? footage under. Yeah, just <laughs> it's just like all right. Well, we just have this car. Let's destroy it. Fuck it. Um, and working that into whatever plot there is. Um, but but like talking about doing it wrong, certain sequences and stuff. There's one scene that sticks out where uh, they go to a bar in um, Tahiti and this, he's trying to fence some jewels once he's stolen them. And this guy just walks up behind him. The guy is brandishing a knife, but the way that the camera work is done, you never really see the knife. Uh, You can like, if you look for it, you'll see it. 
but the framing is done so poorly or done with an intention to just focus on our target Craig that you never see it. And so the guy just walks up next to him and Craig looks at him and then Craig smashes a bottle on his fucking face and runs. <laughs> and that whole scene completely misses what it's trying to communicate, which is Craig's a wanted man or would be backstabbed by somebody. And instead it just looks like Craig just fucking takes out anybody who gets near him that he suspects of doing shit. Uh, it, it makes it muddles whatever the message is that you're trying to get from it. And I think that those are those scenes where it's like, what exactly do you want from your movie, Craig? Like, yeah. Or, so we, we've danced around like, what are, what do we, what do we think Craig yeah. wanted out of this movie? <laughs> Let's all go around and say, Dixon. Uh, he wanted to get laid. I think um, <laughs> I, I, it's very weird to me that like he, that he was pursuing fame through radio or movies or whatever because he is maybe the least charismatic person i've ever seen and like he doesn't even seem to be trying to act or to make himself like this is not a star making role like he's just talking blankly staring blankly in all the scenes um he hasn't written anything that's like interesting for him to do and to like you know get his chops into as an actor he seems to aggressively not care about whether He's famous if you just look at what he's doing on screen, but you look at how he's living his life and he's pouring all of his money into this movie and he's trying to get into radio and all these things. It's like, what are, what are you doing? Like, I don't, no. I, I don't understand this at all. He also, like, he seems to be just wearing his own clothes throughout the whole movie. Like, <laughs> he escaped from, like, a Gap uh, yeah, strip mall. <laughs> like, there's not even costumes for the character. I think one time he has, like, a turban on his head. And it's like, he's supposed to be this great astrologer, and he's wearing, like, a striped T-shirt and, like, like shorts. Like a spotted and handkerchief, some, like, that's what it was. Yeah. He and, like, what some are questionable you... sports jackets in the later half of the yeah, movie. Yeah, he had, like, a leather blazer at, at later in the yeah. movie when he got rich but like when he liked to sit in front of a red curtain with a red tie yeah. and shirt on <laughs> just like what are you what are you even doing like you're you know if, if you really want to become a star which is all the evidence would point to the fact that he does he just seems to like not be trying to capitalize on on that so i don't know ryan what do you think craig was trying yeah, to do i do think legit legit craig denny is a grifter and that this movie was one of those like i think he thought he'd make money and like work his way through a movie. He was like, well, I'll make a movie. And then that will make all these other dollars. things. The astrologer became the talk of Hollywood. The picture grossed $145 million. We were dubbing in French, German, Dutch, and Spanish. Was That's that right. A, yeah. $145 million. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. what it grossed. The, dude, the, the movie fact within that, the like, movie. The movie within the movie is so shitty, so equally <laughs> shitty. Yes, <it> is. <laughs> like that's amazing to me that he didn't even try to make like an amazing movie within his own movie. He just nope. made the same movie in there and thought that that was a hit. But it almost feels like this is accidentally like playing his hand of showing how much of a con he is and the inability that he has. But he, at the beginning, he's like the Craig character is a liar. Yep, he says everything's a lie. I grew up a liar. And like my life is just all lying and stealing from people. And even today I'm stealing millions, which which if this is supposedly the Craig at the end of the movie, he's not. He's mm -hmm. bankrupt. Yep. So I'm like, is that the actual Craig saying that? Like I'm they stealing millions making this movie right now. <laughs> but also it's his financial advisor that has not passed the seventh grade who's telling him he's bankrupt. True. So. He doesn't yeah. actually. Yeah. Who knows? Diversify, not yeah. diversify. It's unclear to me. They do not know um, what the word diversify means. They don't know what that means you're at the, all. You're in the black Craig. That's bad. That's bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, the the weird thing that cap that caps this off because I feel like the first time I saw it I thought like they were trying to say something about astrology like they named it astrologer 
the whatever his friend is the at the that person's actually still doing astrology crap i know he and they use astrology year. to to make the like decide what to do each day yeah but the line at the end that he puts up from king lear that yes. essentially says like you you know you have your failures that are your own fault yep. and then you want to blame something else so you blame the moon and the stars and whatever and i'm like so he knows that yep. he's fucking up <laughs> I guess, and he knows that astrology is bullshit excuse I, for your fuck-ups. I'm like, I don't yeah, understand. That's where, like, I come into thinking about this, and this is, again, like, um, I think that this movie is about the rise and fall of a man being humbled and the dangers of messing with astrology on the wrong side of it. I'm not, I'm not saying, like, I firmly believe that's what it actually is, but I think that's what Craig was going for, is like, look, if you're, like, going to abuse this art form, this fucking pseudoscience then it's going to like come for you. Eventually your hubris will consume you or some shit. It does if a terrible you, job. Of if you abuse that. the pseudoscience, like he yeah, calls it out as the pseudoscience. Like, <laughs> yeah, he, exactly. Which is where it's just like conflicting all the time. And that's where it leads me to think this movie whether Craig intended it or not is a dark comedy. And I thoroughly enjoy how stupid of a dark comedy it is because in the first two minutes, he reads a woman's palms, gets it wrong gives her $10 back and says he's going to marry her. He marries her and you cut to them standing in front of Didn't see that one house. coming, did you? <laughs> and she's like, I've never lived in a trailer before, but... Well, it's only temporary. And it's so funny and he's like, With our charts and everything the way they are, we're going to be living like kings and queens very shortly. And then it's like, hard cut to... It's been two years now and Darian and I are not living like kings and queens. Mm. Dude, I love that one. And yeah. <laughs> it's just like those moments where it, it has like this weird self-aware humor to it that undercuts the integrity of his character at every turn. When he's doing that tribal chief conversation and he's that that whole scene, everybody is just bewildered and like the fuck is going on. I assume that's what our audience felt like when we were watching it. But he's trying to read that chief's astrological charts. And he says, your father died like a year ago. And the chief is like, no. But you can't tell because there's no fucking subtitles. And then he goes, yeah. your mother died between six and eight years ago. He's like cold reading. And the chief's like, no, not. A you can tell by the body language. He's like, no. Craig just goes, he's got 40 wives. And it makes the chief laugh. And it exposes that astrology is like a uh. thing that like manipulates other humans into telling you where their fucking cursed jewels are. I don't know. But the fact that he constantly fails to predict anything. Yeah. And then somehow the Navy enlists his help. And like, we haven't even talked about the military contract. Craig Lance. No. Yeah. And I, <laughs> I think that's like the, the logical gap with astrology or card reading or palm reading or whatever that, that you're always like, well, why isn't the person like amazingly rich? If they can predict the yep. future or whatever, why do they have these failures in their life? Why aren't they amazingly rich or whatever? And if Denny is like saying here, like, oh, well, this character his greed is his undoing, even though he's good at astrology. Like he, he, he the, the core lesson is like, Oh, you should just not be greedy. Yeah. That's not really clear either. Yeah. That that's what really happens. Um, it, it mainly, I would say this movie, as far as like 
what the conflict is, is a series of people saying, I'll take care of that and then not taking care of it. That is the phrase of this movie is I'll take care of it. Even from the beginning, they say, I'll take care of it like three times. And they're talking about getting permits or some shit. And yeah, like I'll take care of it. They did not take care of it. (laughs) A lot of, you can tell too, there's not a script because a lot of scenes just improvise for too long and people run out of things to say. And Uh, it's like a parent from the get go all day long. And you got us eight tickets. These people here all walk away. They're not interested in us. That's $40 more than we had five minutes ago. Oh, it's just crazy. I can't go on doing this. Your dreams are much too large. Much too large, huh? Yes. What about the sheriff over there? What about his permits? Yeah. Yeah. We don't have any. <sighs> okay. Well, I'll take you, care of them. Yeah, you take care of it. Do you know we can go to jail for this? Yeah, okay. I'll take care of it. Don't even have a license. I'll take care well, of it. It's against people. the law to do that in this state. I realize it. Believe me, I'll take care of him. When I talk about this having like what I say is like good editing is I think this is something this is like New York Ninja where they just ended up with a fuck ton of footage Mm -hmm. and went back and sort of crammed something together because there's so much like ADRing over scenes that it's clear like we filmed something and we're just going to ADR off screen like these two people need to be talking zoom in on the wine glass there's the conversation just don't show their mouths because obviously Mm -hmm. that's not what we're talking about. I need you now to just dub over explaining like, yeah, I ended up talking to this guy about something else, but now I want him because we have this footage to be an American who's buying the jewels. So just fucking say that that's what's happening over it. Like, (laughs) and then there's flashbacks to scenes that never happened. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, there's and there's very long montages. It's like Rocky four style montages to just like pad out that runtime. All yeah, suddenly there's more songs. Yeah. Like time will pass in the blink of an eye in some scenes. And then sometimes then it's a montage. So this is the part where I'm like, he knows what a montage is. He shows a fucking calendar dates flying by to pass time. <laughs> but he, <laughs> yeah. he divorces his wife off screen in an argument we just overhear. <laughs> I like, love that scene. It's so great. That's my other like, it's a dark comedy because certain shots are just so funny where it's that static <laughs> shot on their trailer. And he's like, I'm tired of you always naysaying. And, and like you think about like marriage story where fucking Adam Driver is just every day I wake up and I hope you're dead. Dead like if I can guarantee Henry would be okay. I hope you get an illness and they get hit by a car and die. And then you get this where it's a static shot of like a fucking trailer and you just hear not staying in this place one more night and don't ask me to. Well, I've God had damn it, why it. can't no, you I've have any it. patience with anybody? I'm trying to make things go for us and you want to walk out at the last minute. Just- You've had two years. What more do you want? I'm going to divorce you now. (laughs) Tired of you never believing in me. And then it just hard cuts to, all right, well, I guess I'm smuggling diamonds now. (laughs) Yeah. I've been caught by the Kenyan government. (laughs) I have to run. (laughs) I read that the woman who played his wife is his first cousin. And uh, they do a lot of smooching in this movie. Uh, Yeah, they do. He saves her from that room with the mirror that says shit on life. Mm -hmm. (laughs) God is dead. (laughs) 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 Written in very Uh, neat handwriting. (laughs) The uh, Ryan, you were talking about that montage sequence with the calendar dates turning over. It's just like (laughs) footage of a boat out at sea, not really doing much. And just like see like a count like a day calendar where each page is a different day just turning but not really in any particular order it's like like it's all moving forward but it's like november 1st november 4th november 5th november 9th november 16th it just like keeps and it keeps going for like two or three months of time and it's like what are are we even doing here this is fucking insane 
Yeah. yeah. For a while, I thought it, I was trying to do some shit by prime numbers or something. I don't fucking no, know what the formula no was. No, there's no discernible. It's like <laughs> picking out roughly like 40% of the days in the month and just, just running through them for some reason. Yeah. I don't know why. So I, this time I sat down and I particularly, I wrote down the time leaps because I was just fascinated at, at like, what time does this movie actually get to of being a movie? Yeah. And, and like, how much does it leap? Because it, it, it honestly, like, I think the just trying to gel with the movie at the beginning where he just like keeps explaining like, well, I was 14 and he was in a chain gang when he was 14. <laughs> and then he, and then he's like, magically he's 26 and then two years passes and he's 28 and then he's married and then he's divorced. Like the beginning of this movie is just fucking whiplash for nine minutes. We go from him being 14 to like married and divorced. Like it just all flies by so fast. And then we get into this like long seat. And that was the part where at the beginning I was like, whoa, we're just flying through this guy's life. We go through this like side diatribe about diamonds. And when we hit that fucking Moody Blues and the calendar like coming off, that was the first point where I was like, I'm lost. I'm so lost. I don't understand how time is passing. Mm -hmm. People are dying as soon as we meet them. Like things are just flying by. And then it kind of gels in the middle. I kind of got back into it. And when it fucking hits the movie within the movie that I was like. That launches I, I'm you. off of it. And then the movie's over. Like that, that's the <laughs> point where I'm like, this is fucking off the hinges. And then it just ends. I turned to uh, my captive audience at that uh, one of those moments. And I was like, how long do you think is left in this movie? And somebody's like, John, please, God, I cannot <laughs> handle. And I was not going to say it, but there's like not much left of the movie when He's I like asked that question. Yeah. There's like nothing really. <laughs> it's watching him kill a man he's jealous of. Watching him get pardoned by the Navy, I guess. <laughs> and then watching him lose all of his millions and fucking squander it and cry at a pool. Yeah. It's, empty. it's the 56 minute mark where he gets his wife back. And it's yep. the the one minute 10 mark where he kills the guy. And then it's one minute 17 or one hour, one hour 10 where he kills the guy. And one hour 17, the movie's over. <laughs> like, <laughs> we go from like the peak of his life. To the end of his life in 17 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We do need to talk about the military contract because that is just fucking insane. Like he is so such a good con artist that he's able to convince the United States military to put him on staff as a, I guess, to just to pay him fees to give them, you know, astrological signs to kill their enemies. Like fucking what? Like how do we get the U.S. military to send money to astrologers and stop sending it to Raytheon and Northrop Grumman and Halliburton and all these people. If we can just siphon a little bit of money away from those companies and send them to some horseshit con artists, that would be a huge improvement for American society and the world at large, I think. Yeah. The men who stare at charts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This time I wrote down what he said in that scene. So what, like one, I love that fucking office. This is yep. the, there's money in this movie. And then there's suddenly not money in this movie. Every like, Kenyan police headquarters and yep. Navy, you know, the, Navy the Admiral office, office yeah. is such bullshit. <laughs> yep. The Navy Admiral has this like gigantic American flag so that you know that it's the, it, this is legit. So you know it's a government um, office. I listened because I was writing down all the astrology stuff on this go through and I listened to what he says. We see him like teaching a class mm -hmm. about a sub or a plane question mark that crashed this was the last time the voice of lieutenant taylor was ever heard from again and he goes into this long bit about angular planets and moons now an interesting note is that the angular moon was in conjunction with angular neptune when flight 19 was scheduled when angular mars is partile opposition to angular neptune and square to angular uranus 
the double approaching square of Mars to angular Uranus suggests a release of tension to the opposing quadrant. In uh, testicular left rotations of whatever. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then at the end, this poorly French accented for no reason, fucking (laughs) off-screen person asks him, Why is it that when the moon is conjunct Neptune, we have that problem of not being able to see what the outcome could possibly be? Uh, Because he's like, well, obviously it was going to fail, right? Because like angular moon, angular Neptune, obviously it was going to fail in the devil quadrant of the devil triangle. And the guy asks him, he's like, hey, how come when there's an angular moon, we can't know what's going to happen? And then, and, then it, and then it cuts. It just cuts. He doesn't answer the question. Uh, but I was like, he's teaching a class where he legitimately says, okay, see this sub failure? Here's all the astrology things that were there. And that tells us it was going to fail. Oh, by the way, though, that won't tell you that something's going to fail in the future. All right, kids, class dismissed. And like, that's what he's doing. He's just conning Astrology is a great way to tell what we should have done in the past. That's right. <laughs> yes. It's a fantastic hindsight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a South Park bit about that, right? Captain Hindsight, the hero of the modern age. Once known as Jack Brolin, a reporter for the National News, the hero was born when a freak accident gave him the amazing power of extraordinary hindsight. From toxic spills to unjust wars, there is no task too large for Captain Hindsight. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Captain Hindsight. <laughs> yeah, his naval contract, uh, which comes through in the end when he kills a man. And that's another part <laughs> where, like, we talked about, we, we kind of glossed over that the transition to the Moody Blues song while he's on the sea happens immediately after a woman dies is horribly lost to quicksand and screams and everything. And there's like dramatic, you know, they play Mars and it's like really dramatic. And then it just hard cuts to him staring out at a boat waving. And it plays Tuesday afternoon in a very whimsical way. And that like just feeds into my theory. All my friends are dead from snakes and bits. <laughs> just feeds into my theory that he's uh, an absolute sociopath and intended to be a villain for this entire feature uh, or TV show, whatever it was going to be. The Maybe fact he, that he is a sociopath back. and he's just incapable of interpreting or displaying human emotion. That and could he very well thinks be. he's like fucking selling it hard and, and setting himself up as a big time star and everyone else knows he's not. Yeah, it, it could very well be that. And all his friends just kind of went along with it because he manipulated them into doing it. I don't know um, who really can say. But I had a question. One of my friends, when I was talking to him, he, he was like, hey, you should ask this question here. Uh, shout out to James McAnally, buddy. I love you. Glad that you watched The Astrologer with me all these times. Uh, James asks, were there any moments that struck you as genuinely artistic? Uh, no in this movie <laughs> the cigarette going down the urinal no honestly a little <laughs> that, <I don't> know. <laughs> that happened twice didn't it did they, i dream no, that they no they just the did footage. those sick cuts right into it <laughs> oh yeah. yeah it does this bizarre zoom cut into the the cigarette going through the hole in the urinal mm-hmm. yeah i, I want to give a shout out to the um <laughs> the cinematographer alan gornick for 
Some of these, what would be if it wasn't for the digital compression of the scan, breathtaking scenes. Like <laughs> there, the footage for some of that is great. Like them at sea, there's some gorgeous circuit, like oh, the yeah. rotating around that ship, and it would have been yeah, it's beautiful. like some helicopter shots. And, yeah, yeah, the underwater, it's like clear what's going on. Even through the compression, I could still see what was supposed to be the purpose of it. Like there's good cinematography here and there, and there's some weird experimental shit. Like they take a first person camera into the bathroom for some fucking reason. <laughs> Show us a urinal and a bunch of women's uh, like naked women portraits and all that shit. Um, but yeah, beyond that, like everything else is just a fever dream of montaged clips that I can't make any sense of. And I don't know it, if it's artistic. It's or amazing. Yeah, I would necessary. say from like an artistic, there are these moments of like trying something. When we talk about bad movie bingo, there are mm -hmm. these like every once in a while, it's like we try something that's new. Yeah, and and but also this movie like forgets what it was doing partway through as well because early in the movie we have like swipes uh, a couple yeah. of times and we fucking get rid of that. Uh, the whole whatever is going on, like actually getting the gems and the guy gets bit by the snake, is so fucking horribly shot. It's unclear what's going on. Yeah, right. And then it's like the same. His wife kind of dies off screen. We only get the flashback to her. Go, going into the quicksand in a, in later in the movie. Yeah. Uh, but then it's like we have this scene in the bathroom and the and the bar where it's like all of these couples, this weird nudity, all this weird horniness with music playing over it that like the fucking cigarette goes in the hole at the end or him fighting <laughs> yeah. with his wife. Yeah. The like slow-mo dinner of their relationship falling apart. Oh my god, I <laughs> yeah. forgot about that Dixon, scene. Dixon asked it's so me. ridiculous. He was yelling, but it's he was like, like, John, did you cut this in? Yeah, I, yeah. I was like, John, you did this good. right. That's, there's no way this happened. There's no way someone yeah. chose to show a dinner scene in slow motion for like two minutes. There's no <laughs> <Yeah>. way. <laughs> but yeah, and the same with the boat. I'm like, those are all things where I'm like, they get across something. Like they use the music and the acting and the cinematography to actually get something across. And it'll be followed by a scene that completely fails to understand any of those things again. Like yep. it's gone. <laughs> well, and then there's like, there's all this, there's these visual metaphors that hit in the latter half of the movie that like, when you're watching it, you're like this fucking weird editing. But when I sit and think about it a little bit more, I'm like, okay, there's like intention I can sense behind it. Like the whole sequence where uh, Craig's wife is cheating on him with a man named John uh, who yeah. comes over for a drink and then immediately leaves, which is just an awkward scene in general. Uh, but yeah, then they're she like, invites to take her out while she knows her husband is home. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't entirely, but I also love that Craig's like, make your exit to him and trying to be as tough as possible, but he's still just so Craig about it. Honey, why don't you get our <laughs> guests some drinks, <laughs> sir? You need to leave. Get out of here right now. <laughs> Hey man, you got it all wrong. There's nothing between us. <laughs> it just leaves. But when John's like back and making out with Darian while she's trying to sleep, which is fucking weird. Um, they're playing like a weird little red riding hood. It's like a German little red yeah. riding hood interpretation on TV. And he gets to like this area and they're interspicing scenes of like the full moon. And there's like some symbolism there of like, this is when like a man can turn into an animal. Like when the werewolves come out, and then the moment that they show a hard cut of Little Red Riding Hood finding a werewolf behind a door or just the big bad wolf, Craig kicks open the door. And I think the crowd was laughing Darian, so hard initially. Bitch. Yeah. And he just goes, Darian, you bitch. And like shoots John and kills him. And it's immediately like D hard cut to something he? else. That's the other part, too, is we do that, all of that. And yeah. what we see is he says that 
and we hear a gunshot while John jumps through a window. And it oh, is, yeah. isn't until later <laughs> yeah. that we see that, he, that, that we cut to like the Navy guy and then we see him dead. And then later we find out he strangled his wife during that same scene. He, like, he slapped the shit out of her several times. Or slapped her or something, yeah. They really piled on how abusive he was in the last like 10 seconds of the movie. They were just like, by the mm. way, he's a horrible person, remember? Yeah. <laughs> like, we fucking got it. Yeah, no, it. it's it's like, yeah, we do all that. We have the symbolism. We have the shot set up. And then I, I feel like the way this movie works is then they like look at the footage and they're like, yeah, the part where we shot him didn't look good. So fucking scrap that, whatever. <laughs> We we didn't even talk about when he kills that other man, uh, the, the the random dude in the bungalow who takes his woman that he traded for the boat and is like making out with her, which we get a sweet focal pull in that moment. We get like an out exterior shot. It was like the one shot I noticed for some reason, but we're staring in at this old man on top of an old woman and it's like really gross. And we're like, no, he's mm-hmm. like forcing himself and it's all. And then Craig moves in front of the camera and it focuses on him and then he moves out of frame and it focuses back on them. Then he just sneaks in. Like he can't hear, grabs a rifle, puts it to the guy, and the guy's like, "Don't kill me!" And immediately he just fucking pulls the trigger. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's just like blood pouring down the screen, James Bond style. Yeah, the scene <laughs> right before that where he trades the woman to this man for the boat <laughs> yes. is so fucking weird. Like yes. he's like, you know, he's like, "Oh yeah, can I get your boat?" And he's like, "Well, can you give me your woman in return?" And he like turns to the woman and he's like, he looks kind of like he doesn't want to do it, but he's also like, well, like, I, I kind of need the boat, you know, and she's just like, it's okay. You know, she's go, like confused go at ahead. first and then into it and then what not the into fuck? it and then into it again. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, but yeah. That dude threatens the guy he's negotiating with threatens the cameraman with a, or the camera person <laughs> with a knife. <laughs> he pulls it out. It's like, ah, you don't want to do anything hasty. It's like, what the fuck? <laughs> this weird first person shot. Um, that's where like I feel like the movie shines is those weird little quirks of like the cinematographer. What, what were you thinking when you were trying to get that moment? Was it something that Craig heavily was like, I want the audience to feel threatened and I want them to be right in his face. Or was it actually cinematographer making this decision of, oh, this would really strike people. They'd yeah. be surprised by it. Did Craig edit it? No, he did not. Hmm. Somebody else edited it. They might have yeah, been. Somebody Craig else had to work him. through this mess. <laughs> yeah. Jesus. I had one other scene that I wanted to like, we've kind of talked about this a little bit, but the final scene of the movie yes, where his financial advisor with a sixth grade education is coming in and yelling at him about how he's squandering all his wealth. Like we have established at no point throughout the movie that he is losing money at all. Really? Like the only time we've done it is when they're standing in long beach talking about how he's like, I want my sister to have like a record deal. And, uh, and Arthur's like, well, we have collectors calling us. And he's like, well, you know, we just delay as long as we can. You know, we make our, our interest mm-hmm. off of our money off of other people's interest. doesn't make any sense logically in a financial yeah, stance. Okay. But he's got a yeah. guy who has like a sixth grade education to back him up on it. Uh-huh. And then the only other time is when the dude from the bank shows up. We forgot about that. Oh, he's I don't like, remember that scene. Oh, my God. You don't remember that scene? We're from the bank. Mr. Alexander's supposed to make $6 million in payments on $60 million. To date, we have only received 35000 <laughs> You people are amazing. You people are amazing. You don't pay your bills. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that guy. <laughs> that guy's yeah, like, yeah, we're from the bank. 
<laughs> but like we've as, like I guess they're hinting at it but like he's just made 145 million dollars off this movie and the his financial advisors like you got to stop doing all this other bullshit and get back to the astrology like that's yeah. how we make our money is on the astrology we've like, been diversifying how what does that even mean like how are you, how are you making money off astrology is that that government contracts is it just that lucrative that you're you know you're and you're just not working for them right now but like the one example that we have of him diversifying away from astrology is this movie that he made a shitload of money on. And then we're not really like privy to any, you know, things that he's engaged in that have lost him money. Like it's unclear why he would be in any sort of financial stress. Like we yeah. maybe see examples of, okay, yeah, there are creditors coming after him, but like why? We don't, it, he seems to be, every time the movie discusses his finances or his, what he's doing, it seems to be going great. Yeah. Um, and then all of a sudden <laughs> like his financial advisor is like, Oh, you're about to go bankrupt or, you know, blah, blah, blah. You're, you're crazy. You got to get back to the astrology and stop doing all this other stuff. And Craig's like, I'm making a TV show and blah, blah, blah. And you can get the fuck out of here. Yeah, he talks about doing yeah. like 27 TV shows yeah. and like spreading his budget. He's like, is that just something keep... that they didn't get to shoot? He made a bunch of TV shows that failed or something. We, I, we watched I part know. of it. So like they show sequences of the downfall, but because of the way the movie's edited, you really can't tell what the fuck's going on. Obviously. Oh, okay. Uh, but Craig also loves to show you a TV. He loves to make you watch TV on the movie. Yeah, mm -hmm. um, of himself. He has a TV on top of a TV. That's so when you're watching the TV on top of the TV, you're watching the downfall fall of Craig Denny because at that point they're talking about how another astrologer predicted more accurately a naval submarine crashing and at the same time on the bottom screen there's like some priests or some shit I don't fucking know yeah um but that's like when he starts to lose his oh do you lose the military contract yeah he at that loses point? the 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 footing uh, that and when he killed that man and the 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 fucking admiral's like, my God, son, did you have to kill <laughs> that poor bastard? And he just gives a smug fucking look. Um but yeah, and then like when he's bragging about buying actresses like hamburger meat by the pound, like oh, yeah. that kind yeah. of shit, like that's so close to his downfall where he's like, well, I'm going to cast my wife in everything and I'm yeah. going to just spread all over this fucking studio scene and then everything he makes just, I guess, turns to shit. But yeah, we don't see that. Yeah, I guess like he has to buy out the contract of the woman he fires that he puts his wife in as an actress and he's trying to make her an actress and that whole scene he's surrounded by paintings he's just bought <laughs> yes he yeah. just lays just out in his yard exorbitant so we're wealth. supposed to see he's losing he's wasting money i guess just constant excess everywhere yeah which is is partially why i lifted the synopsis from wolf of wall street because it, it this movie kind of it wishes that it could be that kind of grounded like excess mm -hmm. i would say it's really interesting because the endings of both movies with Wall Street is such a cynical and biting ending. Mm. And this is the idealistic ending, I feel like. This is what, you know, somebody would want. Oh, yeah, the guy who's an asshole who abuses all his finances and his friends and whatever else ends up poor and crying by an empty pool. Uh, but Jordan Belfort's still out there giving fucking speeches and on Twitter <laughs> inspiring, quote unquote, mm. people. Um, that, that it's kind of fascinating to see this told this way. It, it speaks to the optimism of, his of Craig Denny's seventies, I guess. I don't really know. Cause we're about to get taxi driver like mm. in the same year. And <laughs> we just, I don't know. There's so much in the cinematic universe. that's about to happen. Um, or the universe of the cinema. I don't want to use Yeah, the please don't. Universe. Please don't use uh, that yeah. term. <laughs> <laughs> uh, John on IMDb, it says that this movie is an hour 36. That is a lie. Is there no, an no, alternate cut out there somewhere or are they just wrong? Nope. They're just wrong. Okay. Yeah, wrong. Just, just like their synopsis 17? is wrong. Yeah. It, it yeah, wishes it could but, be. Yeah. yeah, it's really short <laughs> when it 
It doesn't feel like it when you're watching it, but yeah. No, it feels much longer. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it feels so long until suddenly it doesn't, and you're like, wait, what? Yeah, it's, until you hear the sound short. of the drums. Yeah. And then you know it's as good um, as done. <laughs> yeah, I, actually, this is, this is one funny detail. I sat down this time, and I actually wrote out the whole thing where he fucking sells the jewels. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, the math actually worked out. Like, when I think when I first heard it, I was so fucking confused by his rambling about whatever but all of those voiceovers where denny just like describes crap at length yep and in detail it's unnecessary for a movie that just glosses over other crap yeah it's, it's just fascinating to me that they got that logically accurate for the, the or, yeah the- yeah well it's just like he'll have a scene where it's just like oh yeah you know they got bit by a snake and now they're dead or whatever and then yeah she got swallowed alive and then it's like now stop and let me explain in detail where i hid the jewels all over Tahiti, exactly how many separate deposits there are. He's gonna pay me. I like the love yeah. the, the detail. Of like he's gonna pay me cash up front because I gotta travel. Honestly, and then he's gonna yeah. get these five installments, which I'm gonna mail to him in letters from anywhere. I'm <laughs> That's like, the whole laundering Damn, logic. What do we down? need this detail for, dude? Yeah. OJ wishes he could write something like this. <laughs> it's like if I did it, make a movie about if I did it and that kind of shit. It really seems like yeah, Craig incriminates himself at every corner in this movie. Who knows if he actually did this kind of shit, but he just has such a, a solid backing for. Yeah, all right. He laid out enough instructions on how you would uh, fence jewels in Tahiti. It, I guess, maybe he did that shit. Yeah. Who fucking knows? But, yeah. yeah. But the fact that like there's on location filming in Kenya, Tahiti and France like fucking blows my mind. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like they have that prison. They have the ruins or whatever. They have all this stuff in Tahiti, the underwater shots. Like. Yeah. I, that that was when we first watched this where i was like how how did he how did this insane man who doesn't understand how anything works get yeah. enough budget to get a crew to go to tahiti and film shit yeah well he um but we may he, never he can't know. put together a room that looks like a police headquarters yeah we we will never know. The one thing that i do know is that denny was investigated by the fbi in his later life for impersonating other people <laughs> so i don't yeah, think I'm he's physically capable of impersonating too, right? anyone like, yeah <laughs> yeah right how could he be anyone but craig denny <laughs> yeah i don't think he even has the imagination to try to impersonate anyone <laughs> yeah um i also found out an interesting thing was he was working on a movie before he died another movie that was going to be an underwater uh film called oceanic opera a sea odyssey Oh my. He was working on it with his wife, who is the president, who became the president anyway, of the film company that published his, this movie, basically. Um, there's a whole like weird mess of, I assume, him climbing a ladder in that company and then marrying the president. It's just like, all right. That's one way to do it. I guess that happens. Yeah. No, I think she shot up because she was like a beautician. Yes. And then like, uh, it, just like this movie, time skips. Two weeks later, she's president yeah. of the company. <laughs> Um, yeah. And there was something else about that company, the Republic pictures being owned by uh, a former CIA front as well. There's oh. like a bunch of other weird shit. When I looked into it, I was like, what is this? There's so much behind all of these things. Yeah. Um, Supposedly they yeah. produced other movies of which Barracuda yep, is the only like one Barracuda. that you could even possibly find footage, you know, that you can find. Yep. The others were called uh, death rays from the sky. I wonder what that's about. Oh. Um, and Curse of the Red Witch. I also wonder what that's about. 
Yeah. Um, it, yeah. He got caught up in this like suit. That was the other part too, where I was like, I thought it was all bullshit, but there's these weird moments where I'm like, money passed hands though. I'm like, not sure where it came from, but yeah, like whatever that last movie is, that oceanic movie, they sued a guy who used some of the footage they filmed for it. Mm hmm. And he ended up, I guess, settling or they got money for it. The court ruled in their favor or whatever. But I was like, there's footage somewhere. They filmed yeah. something. There's footage <laughs> somewhere. But it never ended up doing anything or going anywhere. And some guy got sued for using it. And he never did anything with it. And it never went anywhere. Like, it's just fascinating. He, yeah, John spends every was, waking moment trying to track down that I footage. I will find you. I know. I want to find that. <laughs> and I will watch you. <laughs> yeah. He told everyone that he was making money with his company that he owned that sure did he was. like computational horoscopes or whatever. Like he had a computer mm -hmm. that would print horoscopes and it was making him millions. And that's how he made the money to make this movie. But I'm like, you can find nothing about that company. It doesn't appear to have ever existed. Or been used by anyone, but apparently he was making millions of dollars giving horoscopes to companies. Sounds like the computer business wasn't that tough for him. Um, yeah. But yeah. Uh, well, I don't have any other topics to talk about. We've talked about the mystique of this movie, how it stacks up to other bad movies, why I'm obsessed with it. If there's any artistic aspects to it, uh, which we all have varying opinions on. But one thing is for sure, the cinematographer was having a good time. It seemed like there was... Definitely some fun getting the shots for some of this movie. At least somebody was. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, I, I, yeah, did y'all have any closing remarks? Uh, don't watch this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Dixon with the cautionary. <laughs> You've no, just actually, pressed a lot of people say, That's to what I it? think is interesting is I think if you turn the room on for someone mm -hmm. relatively quick, they would be like, oh, my God, this guy's so fucking weird. Yep. And, mm. and probably back off. Right. And just be like, OK, well, I, this is this is sucks. This is stupid. But I feel like if you turn this movie on, it, it takes long enough for someone to be like, what am I watching? They're by the already time like they... halfway through the movie. <laughs> yeah. By the time they decide to stop, it's too late. It's like you might as well just keep going. <laughs> this is bizarre. Like that's, I absolutely think anyone could start this movie and just probably will finish it because they're just so confused at, and that's where it, because it, it seems like a movie and you just start watching it. It seems like it's a movie. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's got the score. It sounds like it has the score anyway. I mean, the Grand Hotel uh, that plays during it by Procol Harum, I've never heard of that band, but mm. has that like kind of orchestral operatic tone to it starts all serious with that flyover shot of the carnival uh it's just like oh we're in for something and then the moment that you're dropped into it you're like what the fuck uh is this shit this kid gets arrested and put in a chain gang okay yeah like <laughs> all the chain all, all of the the breadcrumbs in the story I, I feel could pull people to it so uh yeah well with that i guess um uh dixon i already know what you're gonna say but would you recommend this movie no no definitely not <laughs> Uh, Ryan, would you recommend this movie? The, you know, when you, <laughs> when you hear something about wine yeah. from like a sommelier uh -huh. where he's like, oh, it has tastes, you know, notes of oak and vanilla and some blackberry. And then you taste it and you're like, it's fucking tastes like Grapes. wine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. This is a movie that it's hard to recommend and that it's like, you have to have such an appreciation for like, 
for movies and then the bizarreness of the world and humanity to be able to like actually sit down and not just be confused and repulsed, but actually fascinated by it. <laughs> yeah. The, the, yeah. I'm like, this is the, if you, you know, you sit around with your friends and you watch the room and you laugh and you go to the Rocky horror picture show, midnight showing. And you know, and you're like, I'm, I'm looking for these off the wall movies. This is the one to go and see and be like, wow, I haven't even begun to scratch the depth of yeah, like weird ass movies. And, the, the, you know, this isn't the like asylum films or any of the dretch that's all over to be like all these free streaming platforms. And now where it's like they know they're fucking filming it in their own house for, you know, pennies and then hoping they get something. This is someone trying to craft something and failing so spectacularly yes <laughs> that that it and it, on a whole nother level so like i do recommend it I, I like obviously i've shared it with other people like i think i'm in that same spot with john where it's like just so fascinatingly bizarre and bad to me because yeah. you know, like you know like forbidden planet i know what they're going for it's a weird ass movie but i get it this one, it's like, I don't even get it. I don't get it. I don't get what they're going for. I don't know what it is. Like, I'm, I'm absolutely lost. Do you mean Forbidden Zone? Ryan? Forbidden Zone? There no, Forbidden go. Planet's actually relatively straightforward. My bad. Yeah, is that the one with uh, Leslie yeah, Nielsen? Zone. <laughs> yeah, Forbidden Planet's just straight up B-movie uh, schlocky, <laughs> an actual schlocky <laughs> sci-fi. Forbidden Zone's a bizarre musical there you nonsense. Go. Um, yeah, I 100% no qualification recommend this film. Uh, I saw that you moved it up from half a star to one star on Letterboxd on I your linked, recent viewing. Yeah, and I linked that clip from Always Sunny where Danny DeVito goes, I get it now. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was texting my buddy back and forth and I was like, is it this? And we were both just freestyling about what the fuck the movie could mean. And I realized in that moment that the conversation you can have around this movie is beautiful. And I think that it's because it is... Uh, I say this often jokingly, but it is a communal trauma that must endure this kind of movie. If you watch it alone, you will not have a great time. Unless you're John. Unless you're me. And you've worked up to this point, then yes, you would have a good John, time. John, if you're listening to this, <laughs> you would like watching it alone. <laughs> um, but like, it really takes a group, which is why I decided it would be my birthday thing. Was like, I can get a bunch of people together. We can all be exposed to this. Everybody I can will guilt them all into watching this terrible movie because they'll come over for my birthday. Exactly. <laughs> the perfect plan. Uh, <laughs> it's not a victimless crime, but it's the perfect plan. <laughs> oh no, there are some very real victims involved. <laughs> um, and I would also like to take this moment to make a public apology to uh, several of my friends who had to sit through this movie and wonder why the fuck they were friends with me or even acquaintances. I've just recently met, you know who you are. Um, the person I was sitting next to <laughs> fell asleep for half the movie. That is right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm glad that I was able to get and a good they, nap in They for woke you. up and knew as much as everyone else. <laughs> no, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Everybody tried to explain what they saw. And they went into the cave, as Aristotle would put it. And uh, <laughs> who fucking knows? Um, but yeah, I would recommend this just because I'm so tired of uh, the mainstream aspects of like the room where people are like, oh, bad movies are fun because they're this ironic whatever for me, the astrologer is an artist trying and failing and it's, it's beautiful and tragic in so many ways. And it's also annoying, pretentious. It's this mix of all of the things that repulse you and at the same time can draw you in, at least for me. Uh, and I'm just so enamored with it as that kind of film, like Neil Breen's out there 
continuing to make a Neil Breen film every year or two years or whatever on a green screen. He's not, to me, he's not really innovating on his style. Um, he's just getting lower and lower in budget. And Wizzo is trying to catch the lightning in a bottle that was his failure. Um, and that all feels so forced. But my friends keep sending me links about those movies thinking that I would care, but it's no longer earnest or genuine. And the astrologer will forever be earnest and genuine because Craig Lenny, Craig Denny did not live long enough Lenny. to make another one. <laughs> not <laughs> Craig Lenny. <laughs> um, and I think uh. that preserves it in this really strange way uh, for me. And so I, I would recommend it. It's unlike anything else that you'll probably see in terms of its budget and what it tries to accomplish. And it's not one of those asylum films. And when you get out of it and try to explain it to your friends, you won't know the, what the fuck you're trying to say. Like there, it's just, it's so puzzling, but I think that that's the, yeah. the draw. Yeah, I agree. Anyway. Like it's not, there are movies that know they're kind of like not good or people that are trying, but no, they don't like, they don't have it yet. Like I have a vision and I'm going to give it a good shot. And I know it's not, you know, this isn't a big movie. Um, the room is an example of someone who's like trying and kind of failing, and I do find that interesting, but it, this, the scale of it, like, I, there have to be 10 times as many people that worked on this film than worked on The Room. Like, yeah. th- I always love it when I sit there and I have to imagine, like, a boardroom of people that let something go by them. I'm always mm-hmm. fascinated by those, like, and honestly, they didn't, I guess, because this movie didn't really get, like, released or promoted or anything. Yeah. So I guess enough people were in the way to be like, no, no, Craig. There it's were 61, 61 crew members on this film. Uh, wow. Yeah. Just, and they had like script supervisors. And a and lot of cast too. Yeah. yeah. Like cast of like 25 people or something to more than that with all the extras in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. There are lots of, well, there's some, definitely some extras in Tahiti. That it's a lot of shirtless dudes with no lines. Yeah. yeah. yeah that's right. <laughs> Craig is shirtless and has too many lines. <laughs> yes. Far too many lines and far too few shirts. <laughs> Um, well, uh, yeah, I, I think that, that wraps it up then. Uh, Dixon is a strong refute. Don't watch this movie. That is his warning. Ryan and I recommend it out of the madness of our minds. We find something yeah. wholly yeah. mesmerizing <laughs> about this feature and, uh, it can't keep us away. Um, and with that, I think we'll draw this episode to a close. Uh, I thank you both gentlemen for being here with me during this weird fucking experiment Fuck you, time. Uh, yeah, deserved. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. From afterthoughts, I have been your host, John Garcia. Keep watching the stars with me, uh, is Ryan King. Uh, I guess our solar lunar returns on our natal transit charts are done. <laughs> Come so again. Sh- should I invest or not? <laughs> and also joining us. Michael Dixon. As long as I could remember, I always wanted to be an astrologer. <laughs> hey there, movie buffs, TV toughs, and all listeners in between. John here from the Afterthoughts Podcast. I just wanted to drop in at the end of this episode and say thanks for listening. If you've got afterthoughts of your own to share, hit us up. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at The Afterpod, or jump into a conversation on our Discord server. You can find info for this and more at theafterpod.transistor.fm. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you on the next episode.